This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Good evening and welcome to Ask the Therapist. Tonight we're joined with Amy Mooney, who's an occupational therapist practicing for 20 years in pediatric practice. She's from outside the Chicago, Illinois area, and she's worked in early intervention, school, and private practice. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Amy, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a clinician, what areas you worked in specifically, and what your OT journey looked like? Sure. Um, as you said, I have been an OT for 20 years now, um, and I've, I have primarily focused on pediatric, um, school-based, early intervention. Um, it seems to be that like my, my passion is being um, an, a, a therapist within the community and working with families and educating the, the, the network around the child on how to um, best serve a child of need. So I've I've always been interested in um, in the whole community aspect of 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 a child's life. Wow. Okay. And what is your primary role now? I mean, right now you are taking care of your fourteen-year-old daughter. Is that correct? It is. I have three children, and um, my fourteen-year-old daughter has been um, very severely ill for the last five years, four and a half years, and I've had to reshift my focus on on being a caregiver. So I've switched from um, being the professional at a team meeting and giving a treatment plan to being the one that's receiving the information and um, trying to be the, um, try to be the the helper for my daughter. Wow. And um, can you explain to us, your daughter's diagnosed with myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome known as ME. Can you tell us a little bit about that diagnosis and how you came to get that diagnosis? Sure. Um, so myalgic encephalomyelitis is also known as chronic fatigue syndrome, and it's also changed names through history. So it's not a, um, a rare condition or disease. It's um, fairly, fairly common. It's just not diagnosed and very um, misunderstood. It is not just somebody being a little bit tired and lethargic. It is actually like the cells do not hold energy and they are um, constantly trying to reboot and trying to restore um, restore the energy that it once had. So my daughter um, was a very, very healthy nine-year-old child, um, active in sports and school, loved being um, on the go. So I mean, she, she is not somebody that was um, experiencing poor health through her childhood. But she just went through a very, um, I guess, a stage um, over the course of a month or so where she was just coming down with a lot of different things and wasn't bouncing back from from 
an illness, which just seemed like a common common cold, nothing out of the ordinary. And um, and then one day, literally, she woke up and was um, completely changed. Her health just completely changed overnight. She had uh, sore lymph nodes. Her um, and this is this pediatric ME and um, adult ME can look different, but pediatric typically will look like um, you know, sore lymph nodes. And um, my daughter had very severe like pain under her armpit in her auxiliary area. And, um, and we just couldn't quite figure out what was going on. You know, we went to the doctor, we went to the pediatrician, and they did testing, um, trying to figure out if it was mono, if, you know, if it was um, maybe a, you know, mono-like illness. And pretty much every doctor would just say, give it time, it'll go away, she'll get better in a couple months. And so we waited and waited and months went by um, and her symptoms changed a little bit. It kind of went from her um, swollen lymph nodes in her neck and her armpit to her um, belly pain and, and um, kind of gastro pain. Um, so it, it was shifting, but we really couldn't figure out what it was. Um, so then we went down the trek of trying to figure out if it was um, a gastro um, condition, was it celiac disease, was it this, was it that? You know, we just kept on trying to cut off what was the the possible diagnoses, and everything came back. She's perfectly fine. Just give it time. And, um, you know, six months would go by, and we were still trying to figure out how 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 to take care of her and at that at that point she was home from school she had she from the day she woke up ill she did not return to school mm-hmm. um she her her symptoms were just so severe that she couldn't couldn't be part of the school um so as it turned out we found we 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 kind of fell into um the diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis by just finding the right match of uh, of doctors who knew a little bit about it. Maybe maybe this could be something. You know, why don't you check it out? And so, um, you know, I took my daughter across the country and um, got her diagnosed by one of the specialists. There are only a handful of of ME doctors at especially at that time. Um, the doctor that was able to treat um, pediatrics, and we got the diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis. And um, and what the what the actual condition is? If you look at the words, myalgic is pain, mm-hmm. encephalo is brain, myel is spinal cord, itis is inflammation. So um, the the symptoms match that. There's something going on with the central nervous system. And the um, the kind of the poor communication with the central nervous system and the rest of the body. So the the systems are all involved. Um, and myalgic encephalomyelitis itself is it's a complex, chronic, debilitating disease that affects um, millions of people worldwide. That it is unknown in origin, and there's no treatment, there's no biomarkers, um, and there's no cure at this time. Mm-hmm. But um, research research is is progressing. Um, it's all through private funded um, 
programs that are looking to find cures and figure it out, and they're, they're finding clues to the disease that kind of go back to a um, metabolic trap. Um, something is going on with the, the chemical process of how, um, how the, the fuel for the, the cells generate ATP and um, produce energy. So they're finding that people that have um, myalgic encephalomyelitis, they have a lot of inflammation. They have a lot of the cytokines that are kicked off from um, these um, metabolic kind of reactions that aren't producing the chemicals that, um, that are needed, and instead they're, they're producing a lot of um, byproduct that causes a lot of inflammation that, that goes to the symptoms. Wow. It's so interesting. Um, you know, many individuals, I'm sure, don't even know about this, and definitely, you know, how not rare, how common it is. Can you talk about how occupational therapists can help um, those that are experiencing these symptoms or diagnosis ME? Sure. So the hallmark, the hallmark symptom for ME is post-exertional malaise. And that means that any type of effort, whether it be cognitive or physical or sensory, emotional, any of those exertions will cause a decrease in energy production. Um, so there's what we what we in the in the ME world call a crash. That um, as soon as somebody is is going beyond their energy envelope they crash, they lose because of that post-exertional malaise, they lose where they started, they lose that point where they started and they often go into the sub-zero area and have to rebuild to go back to baseline. So, um, so that's the, the hallmark symptom is post-exertional malaise. Other symptoms involve um, orthostatic intolerance, so poor circulation of blood flow um, that causes dizziness, lightheadedness, um, rapid, um, your, the heart beating rapidly, and blood pressure dropping. Um, so there's the circulation issue. Um, there's also temper, temperature issues. So people have a difficult time controlling their temperature, and it can be even in one limb to the other limb. Like my daughter will have one cold foot. Mm -hmm. um, so it, you can just tell that there are you know, regulation and autonomic brainstem functioning issues that, um, that are affected. Um, other symptoms are, co are cognitive fog, um, and that kind of has to do similar along the lines with the poor oxygen um, in, in the brain. Um, so a lot of people will complain of not having clear thoughts, and as soon as they exert any kind of energy the fog sets in, um, and that's so incredibly frustrating for so many people because these are people that have been, you know, superstars in their professions. They, you know, they're doctors, lawyers, um, artists that have a hard time just even trying to remember what they what they wanted to to say. Um, so brain fog is a very big um, symptom. Um, other things might be um, just generalized pain. So sometimes fibromyalgia is kind of a comorbid type of um, 
condition along with the um, symptoms of ME. Um, so how OTs can help really is symptom management. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that OTs are not, and you know, doctors at this point don't have a real cure for this, but you can control the symptoms um, by um, you know, having people lay flat um, as soon as they start feeling the need to, um, to, that a crash is coming on. It, it is imperative that people lay down and, and, um, and kind of go against, um, so they're not fighting gravity, so they're not having to lose more um, blood pressure and work their body um, in a harder way. Um, just simple things that go along our OT training is, um, you know, figuring out how to solve the problem to um, kind of cut down the extra work in people's lives, making making their daily activities less less strenuous and conserving energy is is the main function for OT. Uh, wow. Okay, it seems like OT can be really helpful with this population, and I'm sure many are not, you know, knowledgeable about how they can assist because they're not so knowledgeable about the actual condition itself. Can you tell me about um, the advocacy that you do? I know that you're a real advocate for getting the proper services and the right support for those diagnosed with ME. What have you done in terms of advocacy, and do you have some advice to give others in terms of how they could advocate? Sure. Um, since this is such a misunderstood condition, I think that the main point is for OTs to um, to really validate their patients and to say, you know what, I believe you. You don't need to, um, you know, keep searching for um, validation. I'm, I'm here to help problem solve with you. Um, you know. I have gone to so many doctors who, um, with my daughter, who have pretty much written us off to say that, you know, it must be a child that is um, avoiding school. She must have a problem at home. She must have a problem at school. So that's maybe where it stops is, is describing it as a psychological illness. And it's not. It's a medical, it's a biological in nature illness. And... Um, and, you know, for example, you know, I went to a, a, we went to a specialist who wrote a note and said, get her back to school because kids with cancer still go to school. She has to go to school. Um, and that's just so defeating that, um, you know, that this is not something that she chooses. This is something that is completely biological in nature. And so by, by OTs advocating with the patient to say this is how you can um, present this to your family members because there are so many people that are fighting this concept of um, uh, you know of, of avoidance with their family members and saying you know what if, if you would just do a little bit more work you wouldn't be so dependent and all of all of these these you know these pieces. Um, it really it, it harms the patients even more. So OTs can help with teaching the patients or giving them the tools on how to how to educate the people around them, how to ask for what they need at work. Um, you know, even you know, helping their employers know um, how to 
pace their time, um, being able to look at how their body is reactive to different times of day. Because a lot of times people, one other symptom is a poor regulation of sleep. So um, going into and out of sleep, that transition is very, very difficult for people with ME. So oftentimes, um, the you know, they've been up till t- 2 o'clock in the morning um, trying to go to sleep, and, and then they have to get up to go to work. Um, so just even having the flexibility to shift some hours a little bit. Um, and then, and also just having an OT on their team so that when they need help at talking to the doctors and finding the resources, um, that's, that's really a helpful tool. There are a lot of um, online support groups for people with ME that weren't fair a few years ago. Um, we've, I've been really involved with some grassroots um, patient advocacy groups that are just pretty much, you know, they're on Facebook. There's somebody else that is out there um, that might understand what what a person is going through. So it's, it's, they're, you know, Facebook groups that um, that are set up for parents with children with ME and um, just um, caregivers and um, and also patients with ME. So they help each other, I think, work through some of these problems. And I've also been involved with advocacy groups um, on a state and national level that here in Illinois, I helped write a proclamation for the state of Illinois to recognize M- ME as a illness and something that needs to be addressed in um, in schools and in government settings. And then also in on the national level, there's a grassroots organization that's trying to um, to just get congressmen and senators on their side to get um, money for research and um, and attention for from the NIH to get money for research. Wow, that's really amazing what you're doing, and um, you know I really give you a lot of credit. You're doing an amazing thing for you know for the profession, also for the those that are um, affected by Emmy. So I thank you for all of that. And is there anything else that you would like to tell our audience? Um, I guess as as your your audience can just be aware that the people that are coming into their clinics, they you know if somebody is struggling to get to the clinic and not maybe the most, um, the most, um, you know, they're missing a lot of appointments or they're having a hard time really hanging in on their, on their goals, just to consider ME as a possibility because, you know, the actual crash happens outside of the clinic. Um, so this is an illness that is invisible. They will not see the crash. They will not know about it because, you know, the patient will just go missing. And I, I think the treatment needs to be looked at um, for what is, what after they do an activity, what does it look like? What does the rest and the recovery time look like? Because that's the piece that is different, that, you know, somebody with MS or um or, or even you know, a person that has had a stroke, they are going to show those, those symptoms in the clinic. But a person with ME will not be showing those symptoms. You need to ask the questions and find out what did you do before that you can't do now, 
and what does your recovery process look like because you're not going to see it in the clinic. That, that is so helpful. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and for giving us this great information, especially that most of us, I'm sure, do not have a lot of information on this condition, but it's definitely very important to keep in mind. Thanks so much, Amy, for sharing your knowledge, and have a great night. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.